All right, everybody, welcome to The Whatever He Show, episode three. This week we talk about Ben Affleck as Batman and the Batman suit from uh, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice. Um, we also go over the Wonder Woman and Superman costumes a little bit. We talk about Iceman, who's recently come out of the closet, kind of. Uh, Man of Steel in color. Um, we talk about uh, uh, Renner and Evans and what they said about Black Widow. DC's Convergence, Marvel's Secret Wars, Jared Leto as the Joker, The Flash and Arrow, and then my recent foray into the Buffyverse. Uh, I'm your host as usual, Eddie, and with me this week as well is Matt. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> I have, I have a, a bit of a... We'll, we'll talk about it this week, this next week, my uh, reading into Convergence as well, because I have read quite a few of the uh, uh, two-part convergence issues uh, or at least issue issues one of a lot of the two-parters uh so i'll talk about a little bit uh, a little bit about that on episode four um cool but yeah uh, I, I still haven't touched it so yeah i wasn't i wasn't really counting on it <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so this is um the the way, the way we do the show is we record one episode um and then the, the following week we record the second episode and, and at that point in time we also do the introduction for the episode that we recorded the previous week. Uh, sounds like kind of a uh, complicated way to do it, but honestly it makes a lot of sense because once Eddie's gotten the actual show done in post, it's really easy for us to just kind of recap the entire show. Um, it would be silly for us to tell you all the things we're going to talk about in the introduction if we omit something later on throughout the show. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we do that kind of stuff afterward and uh, as as far as everything else goes, um, I, I think episode three is going to be a really really in, interesting episode for most of you guys, and um, we kind of start to talk about a few other things um, than than maybe we touched on in the first couple episodes. So hope you guys yeah. enjoy it. As always, if you like the show, follow us on Twitter at whatever you show. You can like us on Facebook as well. That'll help. Um, email us questions at whatevery.co. Um, yeah, hit us up. Thanks. All right. Where do you want to start? We got suits. We have... Uh... This week seems to be all about the suits, so let's start with suits. All right. So first up, we have the Batfleck suit. Um, the first images of uh, Ben Affleck in the Batman suit. So what'd you think? Um, is that actually him in that suit, or is that a is that a uh, a mock up of him, like a like a dummy? Well, I think I put two in the show notes, and I'm checking right now because you know I've done my homework perfectly well. Yeah, there you go. If you can see, you can see one's the dummy, and one is sort of the um, in in trailer footage. A screenshot of the actual suit itself gotcha yeah so that second leak it, or link is the screenshot footage from the trailer so anyway right on thoughts um i i like it i i think uh i think it's a, a definitely a, a, a kind of a, a weathered batman looking suit um that's I mean, it's 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 the bat suit. I mean, there's not really a lot you can do, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, the logo on the chest, I think, is is really cool because it it definitely does borrow from some of the darker uh, bat images that we've seen. So, I'm I'm looking forward to that. 
Yeah. Um, for sure. Okay, so to date, this is by far my favorite uh, screen Batman we've seen, or screen Batman suit, at least, we've seen. Um, maybe it'll get to the movie and we'll find out, find out it totally looks like shit, but uh, based on the trailers we've seen so far, uh, I think it looks amazing. Um, so there's a couple of things I really like about the suit. Uh, number one is it's just huge. I mean, obviously there's some accenting of the you know abs and muscles of the suit and stuff like that because I'm sure it's some sort of rubberized, but it doesn't look cheap and uh, crappy like the um, like the Clooney bat suit. Yeah, the Schumacher suits. You know, no bat nipples involved here. Um, two, I really like that it actually looks kind of scary. Like. You have to take it into account for the fact that everybody and their mother knows exactly who Batman is by uh, by this time. But if you just kind of look at the suit, especially that screenshot of the suit um, from the the trailer, it actually looks terrifying. Like it looks like it's supposed to um, scare people. So I really like that. I think that has a lot to do with the eyes. Oh, which there you go. There's another one of the things I really hope we see in this movie, and that's the uh, white eyes, like from the animated uh, series, rather than you know some sort of like bat mascara. <laughs> I always wondered how they like um, you know we gotta suit up, hurry, hold on, I'm doing my makeup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm gonna go ahead and elaborate a little bit on the utility belt. I think the utility belt looks badass. It's uh, it's it kind of harkens back to some of the older uh, utility belts where the the pouches actually look like they can fit stuff in them. Um, yeah, like it looks functional. Just, yeah, rather than just being uh, tiny, tiny ass little you know weird gold tubes attached to a belt. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. And of course, you have the very Dark Knight Returns inspired um, chess symbol in there. So overall, couldn't be happier. Um, looks pretty great. Can't wait to see it in action. So I've actually got the um, the Trinity uh, up on on Emger here. So we've got the uh, we've also oh, yeah. got Soups, and we've got Wonder Woman here too. Um, Let's 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 touch on suits real quick here because it's um, not different really from from the the suit that we saw in Man of Steel, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here that's gonna kind of probably lead into to what we're gonna talk about next, and that is this suit is actually in color. You can't yeah right like it's not actually some sort of like ultra navy blue with washed out red tones uh same thing with the wonder woman suit uh, a lot of you guys that follow this stuff has pro have probably already seen the wonder woman suit um that uh i think the first sort of promotional shot of um gal gadot, gal, gal gadot yeah in the in the suit was released a few months ago and it, it too appears in that shot that there is no color but when a lot of people, you know, stuck it in Photoshop and turned up the hues and stuff like that, it looks awesome. So the suit here, too, I think when you can see him in full color, look really great. Um, I'm hoping, especially now that we have Batman coming into the series, that they're going to add a little bit more color to these uh, sort of brighter heroes like Wonder Woman and like uh, Superman. So waiting to see that. But Yeah, I, I think there's a lot that they could do uh, with the contrast between... Uh... Superman and Batman, especially uh, in terms of colors. I mean, Batman has always been a darker um, overall tone to any Batman story. And Superman, in my opinion, should be the, the bright, shining pinnacle of the DC Universe. So I think, I think they could really play that up to the max. 
without a doubt. And I think like if they don't have that shown in the movie, then their uh, director of photography just needs to be fired. Like, or the director, whoever is making that call to sort of cut down down the color. And it's, I guess that's probably post production, but especially when you have Batman and Superman in the same film. I think there needs to be a, as much of a dichotomy as possible, and a lot of that's going to come from how they color the shots and things like that. So, yeah, put put the color artists to to work. That's seriously. So I'm sure there were plenty of great color artists on Man of Steel who probably you can't tell that they were ever there. Exactly, exactly. So, so that kind of brings us to the to my next uh, my next topic. Actually, this is this is something that Eddie found um, on YouTube. Uh, Man of Steel now in color. What they what they did is it's uh, Video Lab, right? Uh, something like that. I don't remember if they yeah, if that's the group I, or if that's just. I think that's they... the name of the group. Yeah, they actually found. Um, they they took the the movie Man of Steel and and restored as much of the original color to it as they possibly could. And and uh, there's lots of side by sides that show you, um, what the difference is. And it's weird because Superman's suit is actually blue and red. The sky is actually blue. Uh, there's lots of lots of really cool thing. The only thing is, is it does show a couple scenes uh, when they're in the construction zone um, where they're constructing the skyscraper, and that looks a little bit washed out and kind of pink. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is a result of the recoloring or if that's the actual color that those. Um, I, I assume they're they're fake girders anyway. So um, I don't I don't know about that, but that's the only part of it to me that looked a little bit washed out, but everything else looked amazing in color. And I, I honestly don't know why they went with the dark angle that they took with the movie, but um, in color would have been amazing. Well, um, so you guys can check this out. I'll stick a link in the show notes, but uh, there's quite a few things. First off, they, they're definitely working with already post-processed, you know, like they're working probably with the same footage you can get off of the Blu-ray. So the color's already been in sort of leached out of that, and they're basically just going in, you know, and, and doing some post-processing magic to see some of that. So it's not nearly as good as um, when it was shot, for example. It's not nearly as good as the color that came could have come out of Man of Steel when it was shot, but it gives you an idea of what Man of Steel could have looked like if they turned the color up. That said, yeah, there are definitely some things in here that don't make a lot of sense. Like, for example, the African savanna when he's flying over that. It's very green in the reshoot, uh, which the African savanna actually is not in lots of places. It actually made sense in the movie that it's sort of a washed out uh, um, beige-ish brown, you know, because that's what the African savanna is supposed to look like. Um, but there are so many places in this in this uh, video where you can see exactly what I'm talking about when I say they really need to dial up the um, color differences and, and you know the photography differences between how they shoot Batman and how they shoot Superman in the next Man of Steel movie. You can really see a lot of different places in the um, this thing where it shows just how much color makes a difference to who we see Superman at as on screen. So. Looking very forward to hopefully seeing some of that in the Man of Steel trailer, but uh, or in the Man of Steel movie coming up. But so far from the trailer, uh, I don't know if they just we we aren't seeing any of that yet, or if it's just the shots they've chosen for the trailer. But honestly, uh, I haven't watched the trailer since last week, but I, I I don't remember if there was any daytime scenes that were even shot um, yeah. for that trailer. I mean, obviously they shot some scenes in the day for the movie, I assume, but uh, what we're seeing right now is mostly nighttime footage anyway so um, yeah that's kind of hard like I, i'm wondering where they go because 
yeah, everything we've seen in this new trailer is all night shot, and it's clearly all dark, and meant to be dark, and we don't know if it's because that's the direction they want to take the, this film, or if, you know, that's just what they picked for the trailer, because obviously what they picked for the trailer is pretty good, so. Yeah, exactly, and so on that note, I mean, obviously, uh, we talked about this last week too, so we're excited about uh, about Donna Justice, I think, both of us, I can speak for both of us on that and say that that we are definitely looking forward to that. Um, you know, let's let's go ahead. This is kind of like the Star Wars thing. I am super excited for Dawn of Justice, except for I just I I feel like that wife who's been beaten too many times, who's like gonna be like I'll take him back. It's no problem. And then he punches you right in the eye when you get in the theater. Like that's kind of how I feel about this. I, I did not love Man of Steel, um, but so far what I've seen coming out of Dawn of Justice has allayed some of my fears. Um, what is yet to be seen, I think, is whether they try to cram exactly as much into this movie as it looks like they're trying to get into this movie. See, I don't, I don't feel as much like the, like the, 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 the beaten spouse after Man of Steel. Maybe Green Lantern kind of gave me a black eye or two. Um, Man of Steel see, just kind of made kinda... me feel like my significant other might have been hiding something from me or not sharing everything. You know what I mean? I guess it's kind of DC's uh, movie you know forays as as much as i love marvel's uh um movie universe and as much as i think dc could do something really original the last couple of outings by dc i I think man of steel is probably better than mediocre but not great and green lantern is kind of like a i wish i could forget it faster you know like i unfortunately still watch it from time to time and i don't know why because every time i do i find myself liking myself a little less for having done that i don't i don't blame you because like on the one hand it's something like we've all like especially big green lantern fans if you've been a fan of a lantern for the while or a while you were like dying to see this movie happen you were dying to see green lantern come on the screen and uh then it got there and it's just like well i guess this is what we've got yeah, I mean, for me, when it comes to Green Lantern, I, I started reading when I was in high school, and the first major story arc that I read was uh, Emerald Twilight, which was, you know, the the fall of Hal Jordan, and, you know, obviously Kyle Rayner came out of that, and and then we've had so many good stories throughout the years. Jeff Johns took over the series in, I think, 2004, um, resurrected Hal Jordan, rebuilt the entire Green Lantern Corps, and then we got that fucking shitstorm of a movie and uh too much man they tried to do too much with with their first movie um there's a reason why a lot of movies start with an origin story and it's a really really the super villain is almost kind of an afterthought in in an origin story and i think that's probably the direction they should have gone and they could have really really done something with leading into the sinestro core and things like that from there um, before they tried to tackle parallax, so see that—that's what I was gonna say. I—I'm—I'm I'm sure I'm not as far up on or as caught up on Green Lantern as you are, but like watching the movie, um, the only thing I could think is, isn't Parallax like one of the like ultimate big bads in the Green Lantern universe? Yeah, the way that the they kind of hashed it out is um, when it's when when we first met Parallax, Parallax was basically Hal Jordan. Uh, we found out later on that Parallax is an entity because the all the different colors of the spectrum um, are are controlled by, or maybe not controlled, controlled is probably not the right word, but 
they're represented by these entities. Uh, the Green Lantern entity is a giant whale called Ion. Parallax is basically the living embodiment of fear. It has nothing to do with a guardian that's fallen or anything like that. It is just completely and totally the embodiment of fear. And we find out through that that that's the reason why Green Lanterns are sometimes ineffective against the color of yellow because yellow represents fear. And until the Green Lantern is completely mastered getting over his fear... Might I say, if I understand that correctly, that was a brilliant retcon of like the just the whole the weakness is yellow stupid thing that happened early on. Yeah, kind of eliminates the possibility of beating the shit out of Green Lantern with a fucking banana. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which, now that you mention it, this, this would have been the movie they could have put that in. Like, Green Lantern defeated by a banana. Yeah, I totally could see, and no offense to Ryan Reynolds, but I could totally see him just taking an absolute ass whooping from a banana. <laughs> it, I mean, Grodd is part of the DC universe. It somehow exactly. they have to shoehorn, like, except for I could see Grodd coming along and being like stereotypes, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I gotcha. So, um, on that note of downer DC movies, let's move on to another potentially downer DC movie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a uh, a warning label on it just yet. But uh, how about the the Jared Leto Joker reveal? Uh. Yeah, I, you know how they say, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, you shouldn't say anything at all. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna put this out there right now. I'm gonna go on record, and I hope to be proven wrong. Um, at this point, it's not looking promising, but I I kind of felt like this movie was a mistake from from the get go. I don't think there's enough people that are familiar with the Suicide Squad, and to me, it just seems like like DC slash Warner Brothers are using it as as a vehicle to get exposure for as many characters as they possibly can in one flick and that's not necessarily the right way to go about it oh god isn't it though like that's sort of the whole um thing with uh uh dc going going right now is let's cram as many characters as we can dude are you are you no. copying recipes into the show <laughs> no, notes i uh <laughs> i i pasted a link and i didn't mean to yeah this is getting cut out <laughs> and of course the the way you undo on ios is to shake the thing so i'm sure it looks just like i'm jerking it over here yeah eh. uh oh well all right so um jared leto joker reveal pick uh looks kind of lame uh it's just that's my initial it looks it looks terrible like uh somebody on the one of the reddit threads about this posted a picture and it's marilyn manson it's marilyn manson except for with green hair instead of purple hair like it is ridiculous. Like the tattoos. Okay, first off, there, there's I'm sure a comical amount of people who are absolutely wrong about guessing how the Heath Ledger Joker would turn out. Um, probably counting myself among them. Like the first time I heard Heath Ledger was being cast as the Joker, like I'm sure just about everybody else, I was like, no way, that's gonna work. But this one, and that's the thing on this one. I'm th- I I initially was very hyped about seeing uh, Leto's Joker. Um, there's a few links around the web of, of very Joker-esque laughs uh, that uh, Leto's delivered in other films or um, things like that. And that, to me, looks like it could be amazing. Leto himself seems like a reasonably accomplished actor, so I could totally buy that part of the thing. But the direction of the character, like, Leto doesn't have any control over the writing, or he's not going to have a major control over the writing. He's not going to have any control over the production. And so when I see this Joker... Um, 
tatted up like and they're just bad tattoos it's not like it's not like the tattoos are the problem uh, the problem are what is tattooed on him which is just incredibly terrible it's like um batman uh or superman you know tattooing their their taglines on their you know chest or something like that it just looks so incredibly ridiculous like i get that's part of the joker's sort of iconic background but you don't necessarily tattoo that on you like even the joker who's supposed to be totally nuts like it's just a level of cheesy that i, I hope to be proven wrong about or hope that they, these tattoos never actually see the light of day because he's in you know the joker suit the whole time but holy crap does it look terrible yeah, man, that's kind of my 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 initial thought on that too. Was what in the fuck are those tattoos? Because it's not like the Joker has read any Batman comic books. Mm-hmm. So why are we putting Batman comic book art or Joker comic book art on the Joker himself? And and please don't try and spin it as as you're bringing some sort of originality in, into the Joker. We know who the Joker is. And what I'm seeing from that picture, that ain't it. And again, to your point, this has nothing to do with what I think Leto could do with the role. Um, I just don't think that he's going to get the cooperation from production at this point to to pull anything off that's going to wow people. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it could be very good. I mean, this is just a promotional photo. It, it it could be that this promotional photo is it, like exactly what I think it is, which is to elicit shock value, essentially, which is exactly what the tattoos all look like. They all look like they're to elicit shock value from, you know, his parents or something like that that won't let him go out on the weekends. Um, So I'm hoping that's it. And I'm hoping this is just a bad promo pick and we get something that's very, very different in direction, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, the 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 aces, or or at least the ace that he's got up toward the shat, up toward the shoulder, kind of. I mean, it's a little close to a neck tattoo. He's got the one on his face too, which is really lame. Yeah, the face tattoo drives me nuts, and the um... two face tattoos actually. He's got the damage on his forehead, and then he's got the J right below his eye. Yeah, the the damage on his forehead has got to be the probably the the crown jewel of terrible that this is. And then I really, really don't like the uh, ha 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 ha, you know, the Joker laugh on the side. See, like, there are a few that make a little bit of sense to me, like the smile across the arm. Okay, I can buy that or the, um, but like the skull, the skull Joker just seems a little bit too like we're, we're building this for Hot Topic sales, as you said earlier, you know, like, and the ha 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 is, is a little bit too much, like, might as well be tattooing his name on himself, like. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure that that's not what it says across his belly on the ab tattoo. <laughs> it very well could be. We don't. We don't actually see the whole thing. But uh, the only thing I have to say about this Warner Brothers is, you posted this on April 24th, and that was 23 days too late. So, yeah, we're we're not we're not excited. We're not thrilled. Um, anybody that is, um, I hope you enjoy the movie. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a real comic book movie like like we we know there can be at this point yeah oh okay so here's the thing if you want to see what an amazing looking joker albeit a a bit derivative like it's clearly inspired um by uh, um a few well you'll see it when i get there but just google goker joker cosplay 
stick that in Google Images really fast. And the top guy, he's basically like the, the whole page practically that's not Heath Ledger. Just amazing. I want to find the... Uh, there's one pic in, partic in particular of him where he's sort of doing the cover from The Killing Joke. You is, that the, the killing... is that the uh, Anthony Missiano? I think that's his name, yeah. So... Have you seen the guy uh, that... Or have you read The Killing Joke? Yes. Yeah, one of, of course, it's like one of the best Batman stories ever, but um, he does a really excellent pick of um, one of the covers from The Killing Joke. And of course, it's not the top, but obviously he's got a pretty decent Joker cosplay considering he's sucking up all the Google juice right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a ton there. Anywho, I'm, I'm not saying I want to see that one, but clearly a pretty rad way to go you know yeah i i i gotta say i would much rather see that joker than than what we're getting so far so and again no offense to to jared leto i don't uh i don't i don't think this is your fault at all yeah and i, I do want to throw a little disclaimer like i said before we may get into the movie and this is just some shitty promo pick and we see something entirely different on the screen i'm hoping that's what happens because this particular pick that I that they they set out is just not good. Hey, like I said, I hope to be proven wrong. Yeah. So right. let's uh let's move on to something that we can really speak to because we've actually already seen it. Let's talk about uh some episodes of uh of TV shows this week. So this All is right. going to be your your mandatory spoiler alert folks. Um so The Flash. What did what did you think about this week's episode of The Flash? All right, so they're blurring together a little bit. This week's episode of The Flash, is that the B-Lady? No, that, that was, was last, last week. week. Oh, this, week was, this week was Joe uh, took off and, and went to uh Oh, Starling. right, right. Yeah, and uh, they meet... Joe, Joe sort of gives Detective Lance the whole um, uh, shady cop school of fathering. Exactly. As he's asking him not to reveal the dead body he's found to the rest of the police force. I thought that was pretty funny. Yes, yes. Um, my my big takeaway, um, at least from that particular portion of the show, is Laurel uh, being in that show. I, I I go back and forth on her on Arrow quite a bit because I I sometimes I really like her, other times I just I'm like, man, is she really just here to to be a prop? Uh, and I really liked her in the Flash. I think she, I thought she was really likable, uh, especially her interactions um, with uh, Cisco. Yeah. So that was that was kind of the the really big takeaway. What what was what was yours? So as the same thing, like it's interesting to me because this is the second or third time we've seen Arrow characters cross cross over into the Flash show. And it seems like I like them all better when they're on the Flash. Like, um, so Laurel's the most recent example. Who, uh, quite honestly, Laurel for me on Arrow goes from like completely terrible to I can kind of tolerate her. Like, and, and again, <laughs> not offense to the actress. It's just that she's written as one of those very wishy-washy sort of CW characters for the majority of her run. Um, and then occasionally they, they stray away from that a little bit. Um, most recent season, I think has been the best she's been, although still, you know, 
not the best. But uh, yeah, definitely liked her on The Flash. She was very likable on The Flash. Had lots of great interactions with the characters there. Um, and yes, especially Cisco. Cisco this week, of course, again, big spoiler, giving her the canary cry. Can't wait to see that in the next episode. Um, and then, of course, I love Cisco because Cisco is sort of like the normal person on the Flash. Cisco's the, sort of like the audience on the Flash. Like, dude, all this shit's awesome. You know, like that's exactly how I could picture myself being on that that show. Like, except for not nearly as smart, just being like around there nerding out the whole time because everybody's so rad. Um, so yeah, the the scene with Laurel and trading the canary cry for the fan pick, which. I don't know about you, but when she pulled that that uh, or when Cisco opened that envelope, I I don't know if that's what I was expecting to see. It wasn't necessarily what I was expecting to see, and then when I did see it, I thought, man, I, that has to have been taken at some kind of con. Yeah, like that could be like a legit like picture that they took somewhere. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I was really excited about that. The other the other thing in there that I thought was played really well. Is um Caitlin? Is that her name? The the, yeah. the other yeah, uh, her disbelief um or her not maybe not disbelief but her her unwillingness to jump straight to Wells as the bad guy. Um, I thought they played that off really well, um because it it really really cashed out at the at the end when when they had the big reveal when they found the the room with the the reverse flash suit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's maybe annoying to watch as somebody watching and you're, you're forgetting that you've only been watching these characters for, you know, 18 episodes or something like that. But in Caitlin's case, she's been working with him for like eight years. So that actually felt like a very uh, realistic reaction to me. Like, of course, you're not going to believe that this guy who you previously have never heard anything bad about is uh, the big bad, especially, you know, this level of bad. So that I, I totally empath- empath- or empathized with or empathized with. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I dug that one quite a bit. And overall, I'm going to say this episode was a B plus to an A minus. Um, just if I had to give it a grade, just because of of how how well everything played off of of everything else. I mean, one of the things that I think you and I talked about before this show actually launched um, was how are we going to have these two shows coexist in the same universe, knowing that in the Arrow universe, things are very linear, very black and white in terms of there's no superpowers. There's just crime and Oliver Queen and, and his and his team. Now with The Flash, we have superpowers and we have, you know, just these villains that can do amazing things. And I, th- I think they've done really well in, in terms of that. Like 20 episodes in, I'm I'm... A fan of both shows and have no problem suspending my disbelief about them being in the same the same universe so to speak oh yeah um especially because coming off of arrow and especially with the way the dc has gone with most of their major properties in their uh, cinematic universe i really thought the flash is going to be another dark and broody sort of you know typical dc show at this point um, which I guess I shouldn't say typical because Arrow is what we're probably thinking of when we say typical. But uh, pleasantly surprised they they've really gone a different direction. That and is is um, Arrow. I, I wouldn't say Flash is necessarily lighthearted, um, but it's far more lighthearted than Arrow is, and it works really well. Yeah, yeah, so I, I think so as well. The the thing that bothers me a little bit about this episode was there was a lot of just 
bad writing. Um, there, there's, there was a lot of like plot holy types of things. Like, uh, for example, when when Caitlin's standing at the door and Flash comes and uh, rushes her away, where did she leave her car? Like, well, right. is this gonna be like, oh, Caitlin's car is sitting out in front of my house. That's totally normal, you know, like. I I could speak to the car thing a little bit, and I'm not making excuses, but I I do think that there's probably going to be some kind of oh yeah I got him sorry go ahead okay no I I think there's going to be some kind of uh, reveal that Wells has been aware or at least you know there's a growing awareness that they don't necessarily trust him, um so they could play the car off thing as as you know maybe he did notice and he's just not making making it known that he noticed until you know, the, the season finale, something, you know, we're going to see something, I think where he's, he's going to surprise us on that end again, you know, maybe I am making excuses, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think that that I believe where that show cuts off, they're standing in his, in his secret room, right? There's that's, yeah. that's just where it ended. Yeah. yeah. So we have no idea what's coming next in terms of, of where he's at. So we got a shapeshifter this week. The shape shifter is sort of the big bad this week. Sure. And we know the guy's a shapeshifter. And yet we're surprised when Barry acts completely weird. Caitlin, way to go. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. To, um, we know he's a shapeshifter. We've now knocked him out. And so we don't call the Flash, who we know and are on a first name basis with. We don't call the police. We toss him in the back of our sedan. That was that was Caitlin and Iris, correct? Yeah, and like Wells signed off on that. Like maybe Wells did it because he's secretly the bad guy, and he was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fucking hilarious! Like these bitches are gonna get their shit owned in like ten minutes." Like that, I could see. But we we also didn't use the serum that she was making specifically to prevent the shape shifting right, from happening. Right. She's like holding the the you know Deus Ex Machina of the the episode. She's like holding the MacGuffin and and saying like. I'm probably getting both of those terms wrong, and somebody's going to email and fuck you. Um, but Good. anyway, we she's want like, their emails. Yeah, she's like holding both of the, the the serum in her hands, and she's like, "No, we better not take care of this right now because I don't know why." Like, let's just throw him unrestrained into the back of a car and go. Well, they did put cuffs on him, you know, but he's a shape shifter, right? You right. know, like so. But anyway, the whole it was just hilarious. Like, no, we're not going to call the police. Like. They they could never handle it. Uh, us two hundred and ten pound girls with no training whatsoever. We've got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I did notice that, and you know, it was it was a plot vehicle and nothing more. I think so. Yeah, there was a couple of, there was a couple of moments like in this episode of like that in this episode, which really bugged me only because. Um, and I guess this is kind of a compliment to the show. The show has typically been very bereft of those, and there's been a lot of things where they could have had. Um, use stuff like that basically as plot vehicles that they sort of avoided and so i was a little bummed that they did it in this episode but overall it was fairly strong and of course you get to that reveal at the end and then it's sort of like you you uh skim that off the back of your mind i guess right so let's let's jump to arrow then since that was only you know the the next night um we got a couple different things going on here number one um the the end of the relationship between ray palmer and felicity smoke that was kind of left field for me, man, because she was just on on the Flash what a week or two ago, and they yeah, yeah. she was like, "This is my boyfriend. He's really smart and really rich, and he's a superhero too." Yeah, we're gonna be best friends. And then, like ten seconds later, she's like, "Oh yeah, I don't love you anymore. Can I borrow your jet?" 
like that was uh again when we're talking about you know bad writing that was both the i think the cringiest moment of that episode because there's a lot of ways that they could have broken it off but it just made felicity's character seem so ridiculous like uh yeah so i have to save my other boyfriend and i just need your jet no big deal this this kind of goes back to your previous statement about how some characters from Arrow are definitely a lot more likable on on the Flash. Felicity and and my wife pointed this out. Felicity is definitely one of those on the Flash. She shows up and she has all kinds of sagely advice for Barry Allen and about you know loving somebody that doesn't love you back and and all this kind of stuff. And then you get her back on the Arrow and she's just falling and in, falling into her own traps over and over again. And it's kind of she fails the Bechdel test like a million times on the uh, on Arrow. Yeah, yeah. That 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 was exactly. I, I didn't elaborate any further on the um, earlier, but that was exactly what I was thinking. As we we go two episodes back, and all of a sudden you see Felicity, you know, sort of the Felicity that everybody likes from uh, season one and two of Arrow. You know, sort of witty and and awkward. You know, that's a big part of what we like instead of just weepy and uh, you know annoying. I guess. So so one thing that we can say is a positive that came out of her failure this week, though, is that. Uh, Oliver did reciprocate, and we saw topless Felicity. This is topless as you're going to get on the CW, but exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that was another like uh, we're sort of going against comic book history now because I I don't think and I could be wrong, but I don't think Felicity was ever really a, a major love interest, and maybe they're getting around to this because my theory is the reason he's still called the arrow is because we haven't even really gotten into the green arrow sort of uh, mythos proper yet. I think that's where they're going with the show at some point is eventually he will be the green arrow. And we're going to see a lot more of the things that you would expect. Like um, at some point in the comics, doesn't he eventually marry Laurel? Uh, Not Laurel Dinah, uh, but that is Laurel's middle name in in the show. So I think there's a little bit of of that. I don't know if they were married. Yeah, they probably were married. Um, I can elaborate a little bit more on Felicity Smoke, though. Um, for anybody that maybe hasn't read the comics or, or is interested on her origins. Um, so she is a character in the Green Arrow comic book now. Um, that's just recent, though, in the last year she's been added. Previously, there was a character named Felicity Smoke that was actually part of the Firestorm comic, I believe, from 1984. And she hated Firestorm originally um, and ended up marrying... Uh, I'm at a loss for his name right now. Um, the guy who what half of Firestorm? Uh, oh, she, yeah. she ended up marrying his, his father, face. not the professor. Uh, the the kid. Oh, God damn it! I have Google right here. Never mind. I'll stop being stupid for a minute. <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie Raymond. Sorry. Yeah, Caitlin's boyfriend in in uh, the Flash. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yes, Felicity Smoke was a character previously, but not in relation to to Green Arrow specifically until very, very recently. And and this is obviously a retconned character that we're seeing in the comic books now as well. So, yeah. But uh, I think they're eventually going to go, you know, more the direction of the Green Arrow tradition. Like, it's sort of like when you see Lois Lane and Superman in the movie together, you know, at some point they're going to be together or, you know, go back to the 90s, Lois and Clark you know at some point they're getting together, even though we spent the first couple of seasons with the whole back and forth thing. And even Smallville did the same kind of thing. I think we're seeing a little bit of that in Arrow too. And I think eventually, not just with the whole love interest thing, 
but I think eventually the storylines and the witty uh, um, Green Arrow and just being the Green Arrow, not just the Arrow, I think is going to show up eventually. So, Yeah, I think last week's episode we kind of touched a little bit on, on the producers when they were talking about Roy um, leaving the show. And one of the one of the the quotes that I read from that, and this isn't obviously a direct quote, but uh, one of the producers talked about how when you look back at the first three seasons of Arrow, you're you're gonna see it as a trilogy um, for the most part, and then going forward, we're gonna see kind of a new story develop for Oliver Queen and Arrow and everything else. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that just because the the first three seasons, as much as I like them, they are they do come off as a little bit dark and. I want to say not Batman-ish. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, it's faux Batman, kind of. It's Batman when you can't have Batman. Which is funny, because that's kind of how the Green Arrow... I mean, that's why there is a Green Arrow. Exactly. Um, but over time, I think DC realized they had something that people could relate to with the Green Arrow character, and they made him a little bit more human and, and stuff. So I'm hoping we kind of see that progresses as the show progresses as well same and uh as much as i don't think the tone is going to go completely over to like where the flash is at or anything like that i definitely think they could lighten up a little bit and every now and then we do get the teeniest tinge of of snark or jokiness out of ollie and i really love it when it's there so i hope we get a little bit more of that as we go forward and then maybe a little bit more of the uh, jocular green arrow that we're sort of used to yeah yeah for sure um also thea in this in this episode i think we're 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 gonna end up seeing a little bit more of those ramifications as we go forward as far as thea um, having been in the lazarus pit and and things like that that was a question i have for you do you think thea is going to turn out nuts uh, um as a result of the lazarus pit or we're going to see some sort of like toned down because it seemed to me like already towards the end of the episode thea was sort of regaining her normal awareness yeah, I, I really don't want to see her being nuts. I hope that's not the direction they're going because I think Thea has already been nuts and kind of exercised those demons for the most part. Right. Um, you, you, you had mentioned uh, the CWE type women sometimes that, can, that they can cast or, or be portrayed as. And I, I thought that was kind of funny because Thea, who actually was in the OC, is probably one of the least OC-like like characters that that we've seen so far um she's a lot more real i think than than laurel especially and and then sometimes felicity even oh yeah and i kind of don't want to see it, it go that route because thea for me is just getting to a really likable you know like it's nice like one of the scenes i loved is when she starts to fight uh Raz. she she does not hesitate like there's a two second discussion and then she throws a knife at his face like that was more of what I wanted to see. Um, so I hope they don't go. And if anything, I think we could see, you know, coming out of the Lazarus pit, she only gets more aggressive. I just hope they don't make it sort of um, like a primary plot device, as in she goes off the deep end, and so now, he's all, now Ollie's all distracted because Thea's doing stupid things. I mean, stupid things that aren't a DJ. We we kind of had enough of that during season two with Roy I, that I don't I don't necessarily want to revisit it. And right. Since I think they've kind of made Thea and Roy split parts of of what was previously just one character in the comic books. Anyway, I don't I don't think that they necessarily have to mirror one another. 
how about the whole episode overall? So we we now have seen it looks to me like Oliver embracing uh, um the whole heir to the demon thing. That it's interesting. I'm not sure how it's going to play out just yet. Um because I don't know I don't know if he gave himself over to the league specifically because that's what he had to do in order to save Thea or if he's got an ulterior motive because he had an out. Felicity could have gotten him out along with everybody else when she drugged him and and he chose not to. Um, And I don't think it was just to honor an obligation that he made because you and I both know Oliver Queen. Oliver Queen can, can be exactly what Oliver Queen needs to be to accomplish a goal. See, I wasn't sure if he didn't take the out because there's an ulterior motive, or I thought at least a little bit there should be a feeling of being trapped. Like, sure, he could have gotten away. I mean, he's been he's been getting away for some time. You know, right up until Russ stabbed Thea in the chest with a sword. You know, like I I kind of thought, and the same thing. Like that's been a sort of storyline for most of the season with Merlin trying to escape the league and just being you know terrified of the league in spite of the fact that a couple of seasons ago he was the big bad guy um so i thought a little bit of that was probably just acceptance of uh what i would say is a little bit of inevitability like what what's what i have a couple of curious curiosities about is how oliver actually is going to extricate himself from the league or if we're going to see him actually leading the league a little bit for some time or as a member of the league for some time and sort of wrestling with the moral dilemmas that that's going to bring up or how he's just going to get out of it, you know, by the end of the season or early next season. Um, because of course I, I don't know about you, but I don't think they're, he's they're going to take down Razal Ghul, like Razal Ghul, who was Batman's equal. Or yeah. I think, Batman's I think Razal Ghul needs to, needs to stay a recurring character for sure. So I don't, I, I think you're right on that. And so my understanding of your take on it is, is actually one that makes quite a bit of sense is that Oliver did what he wanted. I mean, not necessarily what he wanted to do. He stayed and became part of the league specifically um, in his, not even in a sense, he specifically, I guess, to keep the rest of his friends and family safe from any repercussions of, of having escaped that. And I think just so we could get that sweet shot at the end of him suiting up in league gear. (laughs) (laughs) We all want to play dress up every now and then. You're probably not wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, and of course, I don't know if you've watched any of the promos, but we've seen, um, or in the promos, you can clearly see Oliver and Lee gear, no mask, um, coming up. So I can't remember. I think that's for the flash. I think that was another crossover for the flash, but anyway, like, like the episode overall, uh, you know, plus massive props to our our wingman of the year, Raz Al Ghul. You know. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the season. This is a, I think, just about the most excited. As much as I liked season two of Arrow, I'm really looking forward to how this ends. And season one of the Flash so far has just for me been pretty much on fire the entire time. Like, there's only been a couple of weakish episodes, and even still, they weren't bad. They were just not as good as you know the top. I mean, for Christ's sake, we still have Grodd coming in the Flash. Yeah, and I, I, I can't begin to tell you, I mean, how phenomenal the Flash has been to start with. And my only concern is where do they go from here? 
Oh yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta build on what you have and they've done such a great job this season. I mean, I guess because they've done such a great job, I shouldn't doubt them, but man, I mean, you just hope they don't hit the ceiling too quickly. See, what I'm a little curious about is, um, I, I haven't read a lot of the flash, but there's only a few, you know, big bads, like the big bads I would have named from the flash prior to this would have been the reverse flash. They would have been Grodd, and they would have been Captain Cold. And so Captain Cold seemed almost a distraction for the season so far. Um, Reverse Flash definitely seems to be the big bad. And I don't see us um, seeing a whole lot of of RF in the next season. I think the next season is going to focus on Grodd. I I think we'll see some more Grodd this season too, but I I think it's really going to be a setup for next season when Grodd is sort of the big bad. but I, I, you know, like you said, I don't know where they go from there. I'd, I'd kind of like to see the development of the rogues a little bit more with Captain Cold. Um, there's characters that we haven't met yet um, that are part of that. Captain Boomerang, I think, was part of the oh uh, yeah part of the rogues. Mirror Master. There's well, there's a few of them. So we did see we did see Boomerang, right? We saw him in the cross one of the crossovers. I think he was in. I think he was in the Arrow side of it. Yeah, like I remember Arrow fighting Boomerang while the Flash was off. Uh, dismantling bombs or something like that. So, and he for sure was not part of the of the Rogues, which which is a legit supervillain group from from the Flash comics. So I think I think they That's might a good build point. on a little bit more. Um, and I I'm not so sure I share your your thoughts on Reverse Flash because I don't know that the Reverse Flash angle is going to be tied up at the end of the season for sure for sure. Um, we may not see him as much, but I think he's definitely still going to kind of be out there and i think that's going to be a cloud that hangs over barry's head uh for at least if not next season possibly even two more seasons before we kind of see that see i don't know i don't want to say tied up i more mean like how we saw um uh season one of arrow for example the big bad was definitely merlin but obviously merlin's a big part of the show right now so sure um, i think we could see a lot something like that but i think as far as like the big bad I don't see. Well, I I think that we're mostly going to wrap up that storyline, and we we'll maybe get something new, um, a, a season or two down the road. But um, anyway, yeah. Re- just, Reverse Flash, I think, is kind of Barry Allen's Lex Luthor. I mean, he's the guy that's there, and you know, he's a dickhead, but it's pretty hard to get rid of him. So, right. cool. But yeah, the Flash, just in general, that that's I guess sort of a theme with the Flash is they they just have skipped past a lot of the bullshit, so it's hard to see how they're going to keep going um, because they they could certainly... There's been uh, um, probably a dozen times now where I've looked at how they could have handled a plot and just turned it into filler for, you know, three episodes, and they just bang it out in one. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, Eddie, uh, I'm the Flash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, by the way, everybody but Iris, uh, I'm the Flash. <clears throat> Anywho. No, I got you. I got you. So um, let's let's move into um, a subject that I actually, um, during the first five minutes or so of having a Facebook page out there, um, we actually did get an inquiry about whether or not we would be covering any kind of gaming topics on the uh, show, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. which we will for sure. We've only got one uh, today, and this is actually not a, a new thing necessarily. Um it has to do with uh, with the Fantasy Grounds um, app that you could download through Steam. It's a tabletop simulator. 
Um, it's been around for like 10 years, I think. But uh, what's really uh, new recently is as much as there's been um, quote unquote ports of Dungeons and Dragons materials, things like that, is Fantasy Grounds has now actually made a deal with Wizards of the Coast and they've gotten the officially licensed um, fifth edition uh, core materials that, that you can actually buy. So I, I I think that's a big step forward because they Dungeons and Dragons Wizards of the Coast was actually working on a on a, a an online platform for it for a long time and kind of the, the bottom just fell out and it never went anywhere. Um, and I think they they did probably what the what the smart people do these days is wait for somebody else to do the work and then just kind of buy into it. So <laughs> see, I'm wondering if this is going to be that for them. Um, we were talking earlier about this and I mentioned uh, Roll20.net. If you guys have used Roll20.net, um, it's really good. Uh, I really like Roll20. Um, the difference probably is, is that Wizard, Wizards clearly hasn't bought into that. Um, Roll20 is built to support multiple systems, so if you play Shadowrun or you, d you don't use necessarily the D&D &D system, um, Roll20 will probably still work pretty well for you, as long as you're using the sort of basic, like, we need maps and we need um, characters and things like that, and be able to see where that's at. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious to see how that goes for them. It, it's definitely something I don't think we've really seen well. Um, and this actually explains uh, another thing. A, a friend of mine on Facebook posted a, um, probably a month or two ago that Wizards w uh, basically shut him down. He had a D&D &D char character generator or a more character sheet. I can't remember exactly which that he's been running for, you know, 10 years or something like that. And, Wizards came and shut up down, and this kind of explains it to me now. I just put this together, probably because they were launching their own sort of, you know, supported properly, you know, thing. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things that's kind of cool. Um, there's obviously lots of different ways that you can play D and D if you're into that kind of thing. Um, this is definitely not going to be the cheapest way to do it. The Fantasy Grounds app itself is forty bucks. Um, the core monster pack from uh, wizards is 50 bucks um the core class pack is another 50 bucks and then you know you've got um its first official uh D, D campaign from wizards is another 20 bucks to add on top of that so um it looks like this is going to be probably i i don't know i, I don't want to call it a cash cow form because it depends on their buy-in but gearing toward the future in online gaming and and where we live in a society where everybody's just moving too quickly now to sit down in a room for six hours and, and game together. This is probably where they're going to be able to make some of that money back that they've been losing over the years. Um, so it's not cheap. Uh, but if you're into the, into the Dungeons and Dragons um, type games and, and you want to play a, a legit version, this is, this is the way to do it. If you want to do it online. See, uh, I think that's not really anything, you know, surprisingly new. Uh... Wizards has always had, you know, manuals and materials out, and they've always been relatively expensive. Like, it's usually around $50 for each of the three basic books you want to, want for um, any of the D&D &D editions. You know, the uh, handbook, the bestiary, and the, um, the, the um, DM guide. But we're in an age now where Wizards has more competition than they ever have, and quite a lot of that's free. Like, have you ever played Pathfinder? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you have Pathfinder, you have the whole Pathfinder SRD and all the materials you could possibly want to support that online. And if you even even if you want to buy the officially supported versions, it's still significantly less than uh D&D. &D. 
And honestly, Wizards of the Coast has no one to blame but themselves for Pathfinder because Pathfinder is based on yeah, it's um, it's three point five. It's yeah, D&D 3. It, 5. it was it was D and D three point five, and when they moved to four, the fourth edition, nobody nobody liked fourth edition D and don't I don't know of anybody that I've ever heard sing its praises, and that's when Pathfinder really took off was because it, it kept with the three point five um, style of play. So. Um, anyway, uh, definitely that's that's our, our our gaming coverage for this week. Um, when we say gaming, uh, it should be pointed out we're not just specifically talking about tabletop. I, I'm sure, sure we're going to get into more like video games and and uh, you know we both PC game a lot or, or not a lot I should say we're both when we can time yeah we both like to PC game when we don't have like you know families and jobs and things. So exactly and. Please, if there's games that you think that we should be covering, uh, be it video games, be it tabletop games, uh, I mean, whatever, hit us up uh, through the email or on Twitter and and let us know because we're happy to to cover whatever. We don't necessarily have experience with all the games or even the same games as as one another. But, um, you know, if we can't speak to it and it's something you want to hear about, we'll find somebody that can speak to it and we'll put them on the show just... Just... Plus, plus, I honestly could use the excuse. Like, I would love to have, you know, I'm sorry, I have to play this. I have to play this for the podcast. Our listeners want to know. Yeah, we got to do our research. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, also, definitely let us know what you want to hear about. Um, I, I believe uh, I did have one gentleman inquire about the X Wing uh, tabletop game, which I know literally nothing about other than it. It involves really, really expensive but really cool-looking uh, versions of of the ships. Yeah. So, honestly, have not even heard of that when he was when he was saying X Wing. I assumed that he was like a diehard, you know, like one of the old X Wing games fan. But yeah, I'll have to check that out. No, I I believe I believe he was talking about the the miniatures game. So, um, we can. We can definitely look into that and see if we can find somebody that can speak to that and maybe educate both of our dumbasses about it too. Totally. So, all right. So um, that's that's gaming for this week. Let's uh, let's jump into some comic books. Okay. So we got to talk about Iceman. We hit on this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking kind of talking about character diversity. So I'm gonna let you talk about this one because I I have not read very many. I mean I know X Men, but I don't, I haven't read nearly the breadth of um, X-Men comics that you have. So, Okay, so um, essentially, um, Val Kilmer is now off the hook in terms of Iceman characters being gay because the, the young Bobby Drake character that's been brought forward in time from the original group of X-Men is, as of issue number 40 of All New X-Men, I believe, um, is being outed as, as being a, a, a gay character. So, um, I've not actually read it. I, I'm about two issues away from being done with the Black Vortex um, crossover series, and X Men All New X Men number forty will be my first. Um, well, it'll be the first book out of that series for for All New X Men. Um, so I, I will definitely read it, and I will I will keep people posted on that. My understanding, and this is just a rumor because I, I haven't been able to confirm it yet. My understanding is that the present-day Bobby Drake um, will be coming out himself um, in an upcoming issue of Uncanny X-Men. So 
that's kind of the big hubbub right now is how can past Bobby Drake be gay when current Bobby Drake isn't? He's had relationships with women, this, that, and the other thing. Um, you know, not to get too political or anything like that, but I think everybody can probably, or any, anybody that's been friends with, uh, with, with any of the gay community probably knows that it's possible for, for somebody who's gay to have a, a, a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex, um, even for years with, before they, they come out as, as being gay. So to me, it's not so much an over the top, um, push. I think it's been hinted at since the nineties that, that possibly Bobby's gay. So, um, maybe even before, honestly, I don't, I don't know, but I, I know that since the nineties, when I started reading the comics, there's, there's been subtle, subtle pokes and prods toward that direction. So that that was kind of my main question for you because um, I like the idea of having a gay character. I think that's good um, uh, for a lot of things going forward. And I, I think that's, I'm sure the gay community would, um, I don't know, that's probably a stupid sentence, but I would assume the gay community would like to have uh, more representation in various different you know works of fiction and things like that. So I thought that was okay. What I was a little afraid of is that they're like, uh, we need to do something edgy that's going to sell books. And so they set up a dartboard and, you know, just like threw darts at X-Men characters who might be gay. You know, like, take Wolverine off, he can't be gay, you know, and then throw darts at everybody else and see who sticks. So Maybe that's going to be one of the big twists after Secret Wars is Wolverine yeah. being gay. I mean, he's dead right now, so, I mean, we can basically, basically do whatever we want with him when we bring him back, right? That that would be amazing, and even even more so if they brought him back as like a super giant gay stereotype. You know, like you just picture Wolverine, like Hugh Jackman Wolverine coming on the next episode. And actually, that that makes you probably could picture that one a little easier because you know uh, the real Hugh Jackman, of course, has extensive uh, um, you know stage and play work. So, <laughs> so speaking um, of stereotypes, I'll I'll joke it aside. I mean, there's Marvel's had. Um, does have some gay characters actually already north star um who was man i'm gonna i'm gonna bury myself because i don't remember if he was part of alpha flight or if he was part of a different group altogether um before. it's okay i have no clue so you at least look better by comparison he's 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 an on again off again member of the x-men currently and actually the astonishing x-men comic run that that uh started with joss whedon being a head writer um toward the end of it i want to say um, Marvel actually did its very first gay wedding um, with North Star and, and his partner being married in actually in print. So um, I don't think this was a big rush to get a, a gay character because they've actually Marvel's actually done quite a bit in terms of of diversifying over the over the years. So um, again, I have not read the the book yet. By the time we do our next show, I will have read it. So um, I can I can definitely report back on that. Yeah, um, let's, at uh, that point in time. So let's uh, hit that back again in a week because I, I I seriously doubt I'm going to be caught up on the run and I haven't even started it. So there you go. <laughs> so um, all right, we got a couple uh, a couple other comic book topics to hit too. Big events happening in both um, of the major publishers right now. DC um, is actually three weeks into its convergence um, story arc, which. This isn't going to be a complete and total reboot. I think like the like the Flashpoint series led into the New Fifty Two. This is gonna, I think, snip off some loose ends and and maybe um, maybe retcon a few things. I actually have not started reading it yet um, because I've been busy reading other things. But it's it's probably going to be in this week's 
group of, of books to read too. Um, every new 52 title currently, um, I think is, is having a convergence issue. Um, and it's not just a tie-in. Uh, well, I mean, they are tie-ins, but I think they're going to be, um, standalone i think they're they're one-off stories because it's it's you know convergence green arrow number one kind of a thing so um in addition to the actual convergence title that's um that's going through it does have to do with brainiac i can tell you that i did uh, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna step back a couple a uh, couple sentences i have read convergence number zero so the the lead-in um story that had to do with soups and and brainiac does kind of of lead into it it's it's i'm a little unclear on where we're going there's a version of brainiac that's actually in charge of of this i think it's a universe where there's all sorts of different worlds that he has to shepherd and they're all worlds that that brainiac has collected um superman i think has managed to escape it or is escaping it and then that's where where we're going to lead into the convergence so uh, we might have to cut some of this because i'm kind of stammering because i'm not really that yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the convergence page on DC Comics, and obviously Brainiac is standing over here. But just looking at the scene itself, you can see a lot of different heroes in their various incarnations. So one of the things I might be curious about is if we um, this would be almost kind of silly to do, but I could see them doing it. it is if they sort of retcon in new uh, um, or pre new 52 uh stories that they didn't like they got cut i almost think that the, that's probably going to be one of the end goals to do is is to kind of bring back some of the it wouldn't surprise me when we when they do 52 new books it wouldn't surprise me if they just there were some things that they forgot or they didn't feature in as much as they wanted to well and the way they've done things with the new 52 has kind of been a little hit and miss they i mean they completely retconned superman uh, you know, Superman and Lois Lane never married anything any, in oh, yeah, 52. Yeah. Whereas the Green Lantern universe is almost completely untouched. They don't really talk about the length of time that certain things have taken. And there's yeah. there's certain events that they don't necessarily bring to attention or bring attention to. But, I mean, essentially it's the same as, as reading pre-New 52 Green Lantern. So they they didn't do the the best job of tying everything up with a tidy little bow and i think that's probably what convergence is going to do is tie that up yeah um this is one i'll have to check out um i wonder i'm not i'm not caught up nearly enough on the books i read so i'm wondering how much that's going to ruin for me but <laughs> i should pro- i should probably check it out uh, you know they're they're just stories. You know what I mean? Like you, when I mean yeah. I don't want to I don't want to write them off as being just stories, but I mean, um, well that's sort of a thing with comics too. I mean they're they're just you pick them up when you pick them up, and you know like a lot of people. This is why DC did the whole New Fifty Two thing, but they they can't reboot the universe every you know five years or something like that to attract new fans. So boy, they sure try. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, and speaking of reboots. We've got Marvel's big event starting in May, which is Secret Wars. And Secret Wars is actually going to, um, I think, from what I understand, it's, it's going to be pretty impactful for the 616 universe. In fact, we may not even be in the 616 anymore after this. Um, so for those of you not familiar, um, the 616 universe is, is what we consider the Marvel Prime 
universe. Um, the cinematic universe has a number as well. I don't remember what it is. Um, I think it's nine, 1999 or something like that. Um, and then there's the ultimate universe, which is, which has got a, a number attached to it as well. And then a few more. So, um, yep. The, uh, if you're really not familiar, the six one six is sort of like all of the canonical Marvel stories from way back forever with all of their history and things like that in tow. And then they've been re- rebooted various times and the ultimate universe is probably the biggest or the best example of this that I can recall, um, which is a complete divergence from, the story, I mean, you still get the basic framework. Uh, Peter Parker's still Spider-Man, for example, but... Not married to Mary Jane in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, how it fleshes out from there is, is quite a bit different, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, it'll be interesting to me to see to see where the, um, where the Secret Wars um, ends up. I'm actually relatively caught up on my Marvel stuff, um, more so than the DC stuff at this point. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to jumping in with both feet with with Secret Wars and and seeing where that leads. So um, if you guys have any um, insight into the current goings on um, at DC or Marvel, please um, again email us questions at whatevery.co uh, at whatevery show on Twitter. Those are the those are going to be the two best ways. Um, to get information to us or um, just, I mean, let us know how you feel about things so far. So um, as far as comic books are concerned, you, you, did you have any other any other big comic news? No. Uh, actually, I haven't really been reading much. I think the last thing I read was probably a week or two ago when I uh, finished like 102 of uh, Walking Dead. So, And I know I'm, I'm three issues behind in The Walking Dead right now. I've, I've got uh, 138, 139, and 140 all, all, all to read at this point. So um, Semi-tangential. So I'm reading Batman. Um, I think I'm, I'm just starting the Court of Owls storyline, which uh, from everything I've heard is phenomenal. But I happened to catch the other day uh, the, the Batman versus Robin movie. Have you seen that yet? It's a I've not. Part of WB's animated universe, and it follows the Court of Owls storyline pretty heavily. Um, we're talking Batman as in Bruce Wayne and Robin as in Damian Wayne, uh, um, sort of in that Court of Owls story with a couple of other things mixed in. So I guess we'll skip past that because uh, if you haven't seen it, there's not a whole lot of discussion to be had, but I liked it. It wasn't too bad. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, I'll check that out and then maybe um, over the next week, if you've got any time, once you've actually been able to read some of the Court of Owls um, storyline, then we can we can touch bases and and come kind of do a comparison between the two um are you reading just the batman side of things uh right now yeah mostly because i can't i can't keep up with anything as it is even so for the court of owls you're probably going to want to read a lot more because it it spans over i think four to five different batman titles wow um, for you to get the complete story so um i've got some issues so if you need let me know yeah sure I'll have to check that out because it does. It seems to be pretty awesome so far. So, yeah. Um, so, in a couple minutes ago, I mentioned the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I don't think we can we can do this podcast this week without mentioning the fact that by the time we do our next podcast, Age of Ultron will be out. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> that was a that was a very non dramatic pause. Yeah, no, I don't really. Uh, so, this is kind of weird because uh, so far I'm probably I, I'm far more excited to see 
the the Batman versus Superman movie because there's a lot less known quantity in there. Um, whereas Avengers, you know, we 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 know the characters pretty well at this point, even from the cinematic universe standpoint. So I, I'm not as hyped. Up, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm probably still going to see it opening weekend, but I'm not as hyped up for Avengers um, as I thought I'd be. I actually am, and I don't know if it's because. I'm super duper stoked about the movie or if it's because I'm I'm anxious because man, I haven't got my tax returns back yet, so I'm I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna scrimp and save so I can actually go see it yeah. opening weekend. <laughs> um No, I in all seriousness, I, I, I think the first Avengers movie was done so well. Oh yeah. I think that this one is gonna be over the top, um, even compared to the first one. And and part of that I think is because um I'm I'm a big fan of of Ultron in general as a character. Maybe not so much of the origin when it comes to the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, because obviously we know that Hank Pym didn't create him um, in in the movies uh, compared to the comic books. It's going to be a Tony Stark creation, um, but I don't think that probably takes away from very much. Yeah, no, I, that's you know. Something that I'm sure lots of fans are going to be pissed off about, but I think for the cinematic universe, they, they, there's probably nothing wrong there. So I, I think the the cinematic universe has kind of proven at this point that they can take upon they can take a story that's already been done and make some changes to it. Um, sometimes not so subtle. I'll, I'll throw Iron Man three in that boat, and maybe that didn't that one didn't go as well as it could have comparatively speaking. Um, you talking but, about um, extremists? Yes. Yeah, I really, and hopefully, I'm, I'm really fingers crossed that we see some of uh, um, the results of extremists that we've you know seen in the comic book universe in Ultron. But we'll see. I mean, I mean that's what that's one of the things I actually am more excited about seeing Ultron four is because I I'm wanting to see how things turned out after Iron Man three. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to the Avengers. Um, Spader man, James Spader. Oh, as God, the boys yeah. of Ultron, I, I don't think they could have picked a better Ultron in this particular situation. So it's funny because um, Spader, Spader actually seems like he'd be a natural for voice work. Like I think he's now popular enough that he's probably not gonna you know take off the screen anytime soon. But his voice uh, seems absolutely perfect for Ultron. So yeah, and honestly, um, when it comes to Spader, like doing anything i don't know i don't know how well the blacklist is doing numbers wise um i've i i haven't finished the first season of it but i am watching it on netflix right now and uh his character in that is is really good he's 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 a phenomenal actor yeah i think uh that's kind of lost on on a lot of people especially if you look at the contrast between the character that he plays on the blacklist and the first thing that i saw him in uh which would have been the the original stargate movie as dr daniel jackson yeah so um that okay speaks volumes to what he can do total aside sorry we're talking about the avengers but have you heard that they're rebooting stargate yes back to the roland emmerich stargate not stargate as in forget sg1 forget atlantis forget universe we're going back to stargate yeah, um, my understanding is we're going to see not the same movie as we saw the first time with with, with the first Stargate movie, but we're going to see a movie that's similar to it. Um, but they're filming this time, knowing that it's going to be a trilogy as well. Uh, so, so have you heard anything like? Are we going to get 
um, as big a universe story as we got out of like the SG One series, or you know, in, in Stargate, the original. Um, my impression was it was just the two worlds. Like, do you think we're gonna go back to the two worlds thing where now we're seeing a sort of uh, fight between those two particular areas? Or I don't, I don't know. I don't know where we're gonna go with that. That's gonna be interesting to see because when I the last article I read, and granted this was months ago, the last article that I read about it um, talked about. The um, the studio not being sure which direction they wanted to go because obviously they wanted to remain somewhat faithful to the Stargate fans, which there's a lot more of ever since SG One. Um, oh God, I I don't even think it's a contest. Like the the fans of the movie are probably dwarfed by several orders of magnitude by the uh, fans of SG One and and to a lesser extent Atlantis and to a far lesser extent Universe. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see to see what they end up doing with it. But I, I am excited about the fact that they're redoing it because I think we've got enough. I think we've got enough support out there now. I mean, to to really do something a lot. I, what I'm almost hoping is that they kind of do the movie, um, the first movie, with the idea, um, or or with the SG One series in mind while they're shooting the first movie, so that. It, we we could kind of blend into something similar to that with the next two movies and possibly do some spinoffs after that. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think there's a pretty big tonal shift, too, with that. Like, SG-1 had a far, far a uh, lot more humor and things like that than uh, the Stargate movie did. Jack O'Neill, aside from um, spelling O'Neill slightly differently between the movie and the and the series, was was a big contrast. I mean, oh, yeah. the, the Richard Dean Anderson, Jack O'Neill compared to the Kurt Russell, Jack O'Neill, night and day. I mean, obviously, they... I don't want to say they did a slow burn because it was like the first couple episodes of, of SG-1, he was a little bit moody. And then after that, he was just kind of uh, uh, almost comic relief. I really got the feeling from um, SG-1 that for the first few episodes and maybe even for the first season... Uh, um, then on they they really shifted directions, which with how they were going to play that show. Like the first season, to me, felt like they were trying to go a lot more the direction that the movie had, and then by the end of the first season, I think most of that was kind of sort of gone. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, in a way, I'm kind of scared if they do branch out into a little bit more of the SG one series and, and trying to include that into, into the, the movie verse, so to speak, just because we had so many good characters with the SG one show, Amanda tapping, um, was, was way, way good as Samantha Carter, Michael Shanks as Dr. Daniel Jackson. He took that ball and fucking ran with it. And then the support characters, um, general Hammond, one of the better support characters of the entire series, obviously, um, and he's dead now. I was to say um, he he probably won't be reprising his role. Yeah. No, but he was ridiculous good in that role, and so it, it kind of scares me just because I don't necessarily want to see new people kind of try and 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 take those roles and do different things with them. See, Stargate's a universe where um, I'm not married to the characters at all. Like I really like those characters. That that set of characters were very much uh, um, a big part of the show. But we've already seen with Atlantis, at least, I thought that that you can take new characters and still make a good Stargate uh, um, show, or in this case, you know, movie. 
Um, so I just I hope they get some of the basic stuff right and then move from there. But I don't know. I'm expecting to see quite a bit different from what we've seen in the show so far. I think it's probably going to be more similar in tone and feel to the uh, movie. But I like the movie, too, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, that was definitely a tangent that I wasn't expecting to go down today. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Glad I, we did, though. I have sort of like ADD, so... Um, I mean, I don't really, but I, I like to, you know, pretend that I have a syndrome to explain my sort of odd behavior. Sure. No, I, if I had a syndrome, I could, I could write my eccentricities off, too. I, I definitely would do it, too. Uh, guess, let's get back to Age of Ultron just long enough to talk about some of the press junk at uh, BS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been happening. It's just, just been hilarious. Like, I don't think anybody's had a decent interview in the last couple of weeks. No, I I'm, I kind of feel bad for those guys. So um, number one, uh, the big the big hot button issue obviously is the um, Chris Evans uh, Jeremy Renner remarks um, referring to uh, Natasha Romanoff or Black Widow as being a uh, quote slut or whore. Um, there's been a a lot of negative press about that. Um, I'm gonna take the probably more unpopular stance on this and say that when I watched that that particular interview I didn't see any malicious intent behind any at all behind it at all there's been a lot of people talking about how it's it's sexism whether it was done as a joke or whether it wasn't they weren't being sexist man they were talking about a character and they were talking specifically about the character's role in that movie um and and how she ends up getting into the situations that she gets into to be a good spy so um they they didn't mean anything by it i i I doubt very much uh that scarlett johansson was upset about it at all see like this is one of those sorts of uh quasi quote-unquote issues that i just don't have the energy to care about like there there's every time somebody makes something even slightly resembling an off-color joke these days it seems like it's blown out of proportion a little bit so i think that's probably what happened like maybe they made it and and first off you should probably just get out now like if you're looking for like completely politically correct supportive of all different genres and people and and and, you know orientations and so on you should probably just get out now because there's no way i'm going to make it through the next 20 episodes or something without saying something that's offensive to other people don't get me wrong like I, i i support the basic ideas here like you know empowering women and things like that especially in in roles like this that are big and important but this to me seems like an overreaction like an armchair sort of gosh that's such a huge issue that's not really an issue at all and 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 the other piece of this that i want to touch on too is is the um apologies that they both issued later on about it chris evans is um obviously was more politically correct of an you know as far as apologies go than jeremy renner's renner's was kind of more of a uh sardonic hey i'm sorry i made fun of a fictional character and you were upset about it kind of a thing um and again to my original point because there was no malice intended i don't think that the apology had to be sincere (laughs) (laughs) actually Okay. Okay. So I want to read. I want to read Renner's quote because I think it gives a little context, and to me is kind of how I feel about it. I am sorry that this tasteless joke about a fictional character offended anyone. It was not to me- meant to be serious in any way. 
just poking fun during an exhausting and tedious press tour. I am sure that this kerfuffle slash, you know, controversy did not add to the tedium in any way whatsoever. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, <laughs> I accept that. You know, <laughs> Quite it, honestly, it, is... it, it, it like, uh, I, I am sort of watchful because I, I do think there are jokes that go a little bit too far that that have sort of an unintended consequence of setting a standard for. You know how we how we view women as a society and things like that. Don't think this is one of them. Like uh, no, just no. Just... The Black Widow is the Black Widow, and she does things in a very specific way. I don't even to think get it, results. I don't even think it's that. the The joke is, you know, that that she's in a quasi relationship with Captain and Hawkeye, and so they said she's a slut. Like exactly it's a stupid joke like it's a stupid joke that like the only thing you could argue i guess maybe is that that's that's immature but sorry you know like so am i so i guess i don't really care that much yeah yeah so um moving moving on and uh you know i'm sure send your hate we've asked you guys we've, we've asked you guys to use the, the the twitter account and and the email account at this point and now we're not necessarily calling you out for it but you're probably going to use it now anyway so go ahead yeah we're men we can take it and and don't don't get me wrong you know like slut shaming is a real thing and there is a real difference in dichotomy in how we would treat a woman versus a man but this is a joke where if you swap genders i could easily see being you know similar terms used and i don't know if you guys use the term man whore like that's a thing that goes around you know like like that's a joke i i make occasionally like and I, i don't see like i'm not like oh my god i'm impressing people like just i'm i'm gonna say this if scarlett johansson sat down at a press junket and called tony stark a man whore there would not be this conversation oh god right it, would, it would be laughs it would be laughs and that would be the end of the thing uh, maybe there the only i guess controversy would be is that so far what we've seen in the mcu that would be no that's fine yeah just stop yeah. it just stop at the end of iron man one i guess because now he's kind of all about pepper in a Potts, monogamous but, relationship with yeah. pepper yeah but that so. is uncharacteristic even in the mcu for tony so <laughs> So I think, and, in and, fact, I would be very, very shocked if you couldn't go find an interview with a, a strikingly similar uh, um, conversation about Tony Stark, the character. Yeah, in reference to the MCU. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on what you just said about there being obviously obvious differences between how men and women are treated are, are treated um, at, at specific events. This one is actually getting less attention, and I think it probably is more illustrative of a real problem, and that is Mark Ruffalo. Um, yeah. one Sorry, particular... Mark Ruffalo. Get your shit together. No, just kidding. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, you know, one, one particular interviewer decided, um, with his cooperation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that out there up front, uh, with his cooperation, decided uh, to ask him, nothing but superficial questions that uh, Scarlett Johansson has had to deal with for the last several uh, press junket tours that she's done for these Marvel movies, um, asking him specifically just about his diet and, you know, how he stayed in shape for the role. Um, I don't know specifically um, if they asked him, you know, how he got rid of the pregnant belly or anything like that. What, um, what he was doing for his glutes, you know, like I'm sure, right. I'm sure that came up. So this is, I think probably an issue that's more real um, in that Scarlett Johansson is a very talented, talented performer. Um, and the questions that she gets asked have almost nothing to do with the character that she plays um, and everything to do with her physical appearance and her body. So if we're going to make a big deal about sexism 
let's leave Jeremy Renner and Chris Evans alone Poor about guys. the joke they made and maybe maybe focus a little bit more on how the press approaches our, our female stars in these situations because and I'm not going to get political about everything every week I'm, I'm not even trying to get political right now it just seems like that's maybe more of a of an issue than than a stupid joke <laughs> see uh I don't know I guess I um of two minds about this first off I don't think it's necessarily a problem like uh if, if you flip the coin for a second uh Look at Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt going into Guardians. He got asked a lot of questions, I'm sure, about diet, exercise, and so on. You know, sort of superficial things. Because look at Chris Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec compared to Chris Pratt and Guardians. Like, uh, clearly he put the work in. You know, like so that I think is a valid question, and it's a valid question sometimes. You know, for Scarlet too, uh, or you know, for any of the female characters. Because I mean, let's be honest, they all have to put in probably a substantial amount of work to. Um, uh, work in the industry that they do but there's a lot more interesting questions to ask them like if, if every interview with uh chris evans was you know how he got a six-pack you know for 20 minutes and then skip to the next interview it'd get old pretty damn fast and i'm sure uh he'd get tired of answering the questions uh, just like i'm sure she gets tired of answering the questions so and, and and i think there's probably male actors that do go through that dwayne johnson being the the first one i, I can think of because that dude for his age is probably in the most ridiculous good shape I've like a human being can be in. Um, and, and he, he puts up with that a lot, but I mean, I'm sure he's always kind of been fielding questions like that even before he became an actor. So I don't know, man, it's just one of those things where I think, I think things do need to change in terms of how women um, are treated. But I don't think it's 100% black and white. There's definitely gray areas where that bleeds over into the questions men are asked and things like that. So, Oh, yeah. um, I mean, it just if you're going to add, like, let's not make that the focus of every interview, you know, you have with Scarlett Johansson. There's I'm sure there's a lot more interesting things to talk about with one of the stars of the Avengers rather than, you know, whether she had nonfat or, you know, Greek yogurt this morning. Right, right. Now. I am going to go ahead and say, in the press's defense, for this particular movie, she was pregnant, and they were trying to film as many of her scenes as they could at the beginning of principal photography, um, so that they could get as much of that stuff in as they could before she really started showing. So, so that's maybe, interesting. I didn't. Re- I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe maybe some of the questions that they were asking her about her physical appearance, things like that, were valid questions and and in relation to how she was prepping for the movie and getting ready to do this and stuff like that. So, now, um, yeah, I mean, for this one in particular, I, th- I could buy that, but I don't think that's like a new phenomenon. Like if you go back and watch interviews for Avengers one or uh, Iron Man two or cap two, I'm sure you're going to see a lot of the same types of questions. Whereas I think that probably is an interesting question now when you're getting into that sort of situation. Exactly. I, I don't, I, I wish I could say that, that those questions were limited to just this movie because of that one particular situation, but they're not. So, yeah. Um, anyway, on to, I think, I think this is probably going to be our go home segment here. Um, I, and, and I'm going to turn this into a weekly thing, much to Eddie's chagrin. Um, yeah, I guess actually I'll, I'll let you get to it, but I got a plan. We're good. Okay. Uh, so um, Eddie has started his journey, his foray, if you will, into the Buffyverse. 
is three episodes, correct? Yeah. Into into Buffy the Vampire Slayer season one. Um, so first of all, I gotta ask: Did you watch the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie? Yeah, actually, I watched in the. Uh, I haven't watched it recently, but okay. I watched I, I watched the movie when it came out, and so um, I had seen a couple of episodes of Buffy here and there. Um, you know, back when it was actually on TV. Um, and in its intended order, like I distinctly remember thinking, like I can't believe that's being turned into a show, <laughs> because the the movie is just sort of this, you know, like campy, like otherwise I probably pretty throwaway movie. I mean, I I think Joss Whedon when he saw the finished product of that movie probably was like, man, I can't believe they did that to my my story. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Because the- enlighten me there because it which came first then like did is this uh does it does the, movie, go- the movie the movie came several years before the tv show did yeah okay and then um they decided to make a, a tv show out of it and that's when joss came in right joss joss actually wrote the movie oh really okay. it was it, yeah it was it was his story um I'm, i don't remember if he wrote just the screenplay or if he wrote the entire movie i i think the entire thing was probably his because otherwise i don't think he would have had the rights to do the the tv series either um but i think that was one of those situations where it was his movie sort of because fox probably spent all the money oh yeah so they they had final say over over what happened with a lot of things um i don't know the, the overall story of the movie is kind of similar to what we see in the tv show but i'll, I'll let you um elaborate on on your thoughts so far okay so three episodes in um I don't have a lot of thoughts. First off, it's almost to the point of being hard to watch now. Like, like the most jarring thing was opening it up on Netflix, and it's probably like like a three hundred twenty p, you know, sort of rip. Like, it doesn't matter sort of what screen resolution you set the thing to; it looks shitty. Like, because it's old. I mean, it's old. It was shot before HD was a thing, really, uh, um, and wasn't shot. Uh, um, in a way that would make it any better for today's medium, or at least it's not on Netflix. So that's the first thing you kind of notice. The second thing you kind of notice is, is a little bit of the hilarious sort of nostalgia things like um, anytime anybody uses a phone, you know, or, or all of the sort of problems that you could solve with a modern cell phone these days are, are hilarious again. Um, and that and I, I'm early enough into the show that you don't really see a lot of, I think, what people love about the show quite yet. I mean, the characters, for the most part, are there. Uh, but a lot of what people love about the show, as I understand it, is still off in the distance a little bit. So um, it, right now it's very kind of Monster of the Week-ish, and, and uh, that's not something I've really ever enjoyed. Um, so No, I, I kind of agree with, with where you're at in terms of the... Um, overall quality of the filming. Uh, I don't want to say the quality of the show because the writing is actually really well done um, in terms of dialogue. Oh and yeah, like that. there was quite a lot of things that that are are pretty good so far. Like especially for a, a fledgling uh, um, show, the writing isn't terrible. Um, but you know, there, there is things that come with. Uh, it's you know, fifteen years old now. And it had a budget, you know, a, a very small budget, you know, 15 years ago. So the effects are, are kind of laughable these days by comparison. You know, like, it's funny because the things we complain about as far as effects go on, say, like the Flash or Arrow or fight scenes and things like that, like I was just talking about, or we were talking about um, choreography on Daredevil sort of being a step above 
uh, um, Arrow or something like that. But Arrow, you know, is is far far ahead of the fights that I, I've seen in Buffy so far. So. Oh yeah. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and uh, make one small correction. Um, it's it's actually almost 18 years old. That came out in 1997. Season season one did. Uh, I was thinking 99 for some reason. Yeah, it's 97. So, uh, you know, pre 2K for sure. Yeah. So uh, that that's uh, you know that's probably the most obvious thing. Pre 2K TV looks quite a bit different from the TV we're used to watching today. So. Absolutely. So we're gonna be we're gonna be checking in with Eddie every week um, and seeing where he's at in terms of that. I've actually watched all of the series a couple times over, um, and 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 Angel as well. So uh, there there might be a couple a couple things where some key episodes I may go through and watch at the at the same time that he's watching. Maybe not in the same room, but we'll 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 make it a point to both have watched the same episode before we do a podcast. Um, so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, let us know what your favorite moments are from that series if you, if you've watched it, and uh, give us give us a little bit of information about what you think we should look for when we do watch it. So um, don't uh, don't spoil it for Eddie though, because we're we're gonna let him muddle through journey yeah. journey all the way through. So um, anything else? Any other takes on on it so far? Any uh no, it's interesting actually. Uh, especially given you know that it was twenty years ago, I kind of like the aspect of it being a strong female character in the lead. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, and and there is some of that sort of uh, Whedon-y sardonic wit that that I really love about uh, Whedon's other works. So, um, you can tell it's maybe Whedon in his infancy as far as um. TV and, and movies and things like that go, but there's definitely a lot of the stuff that makes Whedon great in there so far. So, I, and I think he remained the showrunner the entire duration of the show as well. So that that definitely has a lot to do with, in my mind, um, the consistency that you find uh, throughout. Yeah, which it it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people going into Avengers were like, "Who the hell is Joss Whedon and why is he?" directing avengers but i i immediately when i heard he was attached to do it was um excited about that because the avengers is if at its you know smallest parts at its most minimalist is is really just another uh, um ensemble cast which i think whedon has always been really great at doing like uh fire firefly is probably my favorite whedon property um go brown coats but uh <laughs> that that d- sort of dynamic is present in firefly and you can even see a little bit of that pres- present in buffy even this early on so yeah anyway that's cool. my thought cool man um yeah i think yeah see you next week same bat channel same bat time we're just not sure quite what time that's going to be yet yeah. but uh the show comes out whenever the hell it comes out uh. <laughs> no, going forward, we are going to try and and uh, maintain a, a schedule, um, especially considering there's, based on the feedback that we've gotten from the Facebook page, the first day it's been up, we're possibly going to have to branch out into doing some more shows um, per week. Uh, it's going to stay one show a week for uh, for the foreseeable future, um, unless unless we can 
unless we have spare time because uh, honestly we we both have nine to fives that we work as in addition to doing this um because we actually do get paid to go to our normal jobs and we don't get paid at this point to do this so once we actually um have a little bit of if you'd of like revenue. to sponsor whatever no. <laughs> yeah uh we are open to sponsors <laughs> yeah. um in all seriousness though uh seriously we are open to sponsors <laughs> you know really i mean like it doesn't matter really what what you want to put on the show like us whatever you want like head on apply directly to forehead no problem yeah Let's we don't actually um have any video of us but we're happy to wear nike reebok whatever <laughs> Oh, totally. <laughs> Whatever you want totally. us to wear in order for you to um, throw gobs of money at us to keep doing I'll this. Dress we'll up like it. a NASCAR driver. You know, at some point, this show, like, hopefully we get big and famous, and then this show can be referred to back as, like, no, they told you they were going to sell out the whole time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Go back to I don't episode, ever want to. Episode three. I, yeah, I will absolutely sell out if I don't have to go to work every day. Yeah. So. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, probably. Um, but honestly, in, 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 in complete seriousness, we do want to do more of these shows. Um, and we will continue to do the, at least the one a week. But um, as far as the editing is concerned, it's kind of time consuming. And Eddie's doing all of that himself. And I don't know how much longer his wife will stay friends with me if I keep recording more shows that he has to edit. Yeah. For the time being, well, so. <laughs> I think once we get this one off the ground, there's a couple of ideas. I think we both have. I, I think we could. We're probably going to get into another show a week. What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I don't see it ha- being too long before we before we branch out into that. Um. Anyway, again, please, man. I mean, if you're listening and you want us to talk about anything in particular, let us know because we can't make this better if we don't have feedback from you guys. Um, I we may even get into a situation where we start kind of reading some of your emails. So c- consider that when you write in, um, that that your email may get read on the show. Um, I I I'm gonna throw this out there right now and say we're we're not gonna use last names. Um, just you know, we'll anonymize the people who aren't dicks. Yeah, if you are a dick, who knows? We might even publish your address. Yeah, <laughs> it's an acceptable practice, isn't it? I think so. I think it's completely legal too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, we probably will be utterly and totally scathing though if you are a dick, uh, even if we don't <laughs> reveal your location um, and your exact identity. This is something um, I want to have because we can be dicks too. This is something I want to have happen. Uh, what one of the podcasts I listen to has a section where they read reviews. And the nice reviews are nice, but they're super boring compared to the mean ones. Like, I, I want to see the mean reviews. Like, somebody should just come on and tell us we're complete assholes, because I think that'd be hilarious to read. Like, it'd be like mean tweets. Like, hey, you, ever, you ever watch mean tweets uh, Kimmel does? No. I, well, yes. I, I, I've seen a couple mean tweets. I've not seen many of them. Yeah, you, you gotta watch those, but, like, I would love to do a mean reviews section, like course this is probably going to be how i kill the show because everybody's gonna be like yeah one star you guys are assholes this show sucked and then we're not going to get any other listeners yeah uh we will be on itunes though so as long as you stay subscribed and if you do think we're assholes um that'll help yeah or you can give us five stars and call us assholes and we'll read that one too yeah yeah um yeah i think i think we can have some serious fun audience participation is always always a big thing 
I don't think the Rocky Horror Picture Show would have the, the following that it does if it didn't have the, the live audience participation show that, that they do. So can... Alright, um, let's wrap it up. I'm not I'm not gonna wear nylons though. I'm I'm gonna throw that out there right now. Well I I did already mention like I have a price, like just... I have a price and yeah. I will wear nylons for sponsors. I will not wear nylons for dicks. <laughs> that, that sounds even better okay that's it we're I think we just, it right I, there yeah i think we just came up with the title for this episode <laughs> yeah okay i'm stopping thanks everybody thanks